Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Jenk Sadar, who is the co-founder and CEO of Global Wonks, which you can find at globalwonks.com. Now, Global Wonks is the first real-time expert network. They combine global knowledge expertise with data science to provide clients a single platform to bring their questions and receive insights from carefully curated experts quickly, compliantly, and cost-effectively. This is such a great concept. I love what they're doing with Global Wonks, and I'm so excited to bring you uh, Jenk in this episode. And we go through a lot of different things behind how he started the company, how he curates experts, how you create a platform business, everything, future work, COVID-related, and more in this episode. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. Without further ado, here is Jenk Sadar, the co-founder and CEO of Global Wonks. Jenk, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. Great pleasure to be here. Yes, happy to have you on. And obviously, it's going to be really relevant for the audience now with the ability to talk about COVID and future of work with what you're doing as well as we dive into this. But where I want to get started is, uh, what is Global Wonks for people who aren't familiar? Sure. Thank you. Uh, Global Wonks is basically a marketplace connecting experts with decision makers. So we have about 15,000 experts in uh, over 170 countries. And our experts are freelancers, uh, mostly working from their homes, or they may have their like a you know full time jobs, but they're ready to help decision makers, companies like, and the companies may vary from Fortune 100 to small medium sized enterprises, and yeah. share their insights, knowledge, and help them to make better decisions for their policy or investment or risk-related questions. That's awesome. And I want to dive into that more deeply on who, who these experts are and everything. But first, just taking a step back, how did you start this company in the first place, Cenk? Sure, yeah. Uh, last 12 years, uh, I, I was running a political risk uh, and uh, emerging markets consulting firm here in D.C. So my job was uh, to help uh, companies to understand local dynamics and make better decisions for their operations in uh, emerging and frontier markets. Uh, but uh, what basically I realize is, you know, like doing it from a centralized corporate structure is very burdensome for uh, for the, for me and also for the you know the clients of my company. So it makes right. more sense to decentralize. The expertise and engage people on the ground rather than acting like a broker between the firm and the expert. So as everything being disrupted with technology, so I wanted to be a step ahead of the disruption, create the infrastructure myself. <laughs> so one day I wouldn't be disrupted by someone else creating the decentralized <laughs> workload. So, uh, and slowly I moved from that model to Global Longs and started a new company, built the technology, built the expert network, uh, moved some of my existing clients, but mostly uh, recruit new clients for that operation. And uh, last two and a half years, three years, we built uh, a strong platform, uh, really uh, making a lot of change in people's lives. Yeah, and building this platform then too, and having these obviously the experts on that, but also on the other side, people they're going to provide expertise too. Early on, what was kind of the initial version of Global Wonks when you kind of first launched? Sure. Uh, I mean, again, I mean, we were definitely much smaller. <laughs> the platform was smaller. <laughs> I mean, we started with a couple hundred uh, experts. Uh, and we grew in time. Uh, the first version is, was basically very. Um, you know, basic uh, tool that was engaged uh, by clients searching the experts and asking questions. But since the first day, uh, you know, we built a lot of technology features, uh, created a lot of automation, uh, and uh, made it easy for clients and experts to use the platform. Uh, our core product is uh, called Network Pulse. And uh, this is a unique uh, product that is the market that we built. So basically, uh, clients can 
log into our platform and ask any business related question and we guarantee the client receives um, multiple expert opinions on the subject within minutes. So oh. it's kind of LinkedIn meeting Quora type of <laughs> product, uh, but uh, we have a um, basically unique uh, matching algorithm and um, we guarantee a certain number of questions. So for instance, now if I'm a, a private equity investor and I would like to learn about hospitality industry in Argentina, because I'm going to meeting next 20 minutes <laughs> with my phone and ask the question about the macro dynamics of the industry and get eight experts on the subject writing their opinions within 25 minutes and go to meeting much more uh, educated about the subject so I can ask the right questions to potential investment target or uh, stakeholders sitting at the table. With this, I mean, it seems such like uh, such a useful product to have that ability, and that's that's why I was super interested in talking with you. How yeah. are you getting the the experts on the platform initially? Uh, initially, it was basically word of mouth. We uh, we onboarded many uh, friends and uh, people that we worked in the past with my co-founders. Uh, so uh, the first couple thousand experts were uh, first level or second level. Uh, personal relationship mostly and again i'm coming from international affairs global consulting management consulting so we had a network of experts yeah but uh going from thousand to fifteen thousand and you know every week we're adding about thousand to two thousand new experts as we have significant momentum with the covid uh so now uh, uh last uh, last year we utilize a lot of digital marketing we uh, we have a full-time team focused on recruitment um, we uh, we basically sponsor events go events organize events so now uh, it's beyond our personal networks of course and now we have experts in any part of the world that we have never been and um, <laughs> we, met, we basically increasing the size of the network but the priority for us is not size really the quality because um, we also have a very strong rating system for each expert being onboarded. Um, so we are trying to bring big four quality, you know, the consulting firms like McKinsey, BCG, uh, yeah. or EY, KPMG, high quality experts, well-educated, strong experience in their uh, specific sectors to the platform. By doing that, really, we're creating very cost-effective, agile um, access to the workforce for uh, our clients. And in the middle, in the, in the meantime, uh, the other side of the coin is we also help the experts uh, not being dependent on nine-to-five jobs and being able to work from their homes and earn income in their on-set schedules. So uh, that's kind of win-win uh, for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And and to that point then, Jank, what is kind of the business model behind Global Wonks? So, yeah, I mean, of course. So the model is uh, for each engagement, uh, the Global Wonks keeps a certain fraction of the, uh, the fee that we charge to clients. But we don't charge um, any uh, registration fee for the experts. We don't have any... Uh, you know, uh, advanced payments for the clients. So basically, it's pay-as-you-go system for clients. They, you know, uh, they can basically do uh, three things using the platform. They can ask questions, they can schedule an expert call, or they can commission a report. Uh, for every engagement we have, we have certain uh, fraction. Uh, most of the time, is like a 20% of the, uh, the sale price. Uh, we keep within the platform. Uh, so uh, basically, our business model is uh, tied to the usage uh, by the experts and the clients. Yeah, and with that, so obviously with the experts being a huge part of this and making sure that their quality, as you mentioned before, what does that vetting process then kind of look like for the experts that you bring on the platform? Sure, yeah, we have some minimum parameters that we look, uh, but we also understand certain industries, certain sectors, certain regions have different uh, dynamics. Uh, so for instance, if we need if we need to engage a macroeconomist covering uh, Nigerian economy, of course we are looking at certain uh, 
background factors such as uh, maybe PhD or graduate degree or five year plus, a year plus experience in the financial markets, etc. But on the other hand, uh, sometimes we need experience uh, in different areas such as maybe automobile sector in Egypt and someone working at a car dealership in Egypt may be a great asset yeah. for, uh, for an investor overseas. So we're really looking at the specifics of the expert and decide if that expert would have any value add for the platform. Um, so we are not extremely, like, we're not basically, Elit is just saying, oh, we're recruiting from certain schools or certain backgrounds. Uh, in today's market, you need all levels of experience, especially like ground level. So uh, that car dealership as, uh, manager in Egypt may provide a lot of uh, useful intelligence on how people behave in uh, car buying in Egypt. So if you know is a new player getting into Egypt, Egyptian automobile market, it may make more sense to talk to that guy <laughs> to like a PhD, you know, and twenty-year bank experience guy. So. This really depends on the expert. On the other hand, uh, the most important um, minimum requirement is at this point is to speak, uh, uh, com like communicate well in English and uh, have some presentation skills because in every engagement we have, uh, the communication to client is critical. Um, uh, you know, uh, in consulting, uh, you may know a subject very well, but if you cannot project your knowledge to someone who doesn't know about it, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah. kind of a skill set. And in order to um, facilitate and to make it easier for everybody and also to make it fair for everybody, we created this uh, in-platform rating system. So after each engagement or client's rate expert, uh, is this uh, one to five star? Uh, so they, they have an accumulated platform score. So the matching algorithm is tied to it. So when you do a search, of course, better rated experts come up in the system. And if you go below certain rating, um, so basically we may remove the expertise for different reasons. It could be lack of knowledge or unprofessional behavior or very low uh, rating. Uh, depends on the circumstances. And with that, you mentioned a little bit about the acquisition in terms of getting these people on the platform and now with, with vetting them as well. How do you look at who you want to have on in terms of industries, in terms of there's just so many different sectors, so many different industries. How do you look at that? And like for your further clients that, you know, have, have these different needs, how do you look at acquiring the experts in terms of which ones? Yeah, great question. I mean, it really depends on our existing client uh, network. Um, in many cases, when we onboard a new client, we have a we have a conversation with the client and we try to understand what their needs would be in the next uh, six to twelve months. So, if we are talking, if it's a, pri a private equity investor or hedge fund, or uh, uh, let's say a Fortune hundred company comes on board and they are telling us hey, we're interested in sub-Saharan Africa pharmaceutical. Uh, or health policy uh, people. So we look at our existing network, and if we don't have those people onboarded, uh, we direct our team go and recruit. But we have a very active recruitment program. Um, so what we are doing is basically we are trying to anticipate the trends and needs of companies. For instance, we do a lot of hiring in emerging technologies area. We have hundreds of experts in AI, micromobility, uh, no-code software, robotics, uh, space technologies. So we, we know cannabis industry is one of the you know uh, interesting areas that we're getting a lot of uh, requests recently, uh, last year or so. So uh, we're trying to anticipate um, the needs of uh, our clients and recruit accordingly. I mean, no surprise, last six months, uh, we had a lot of infectious diseases and pneumologists, like a lot of health policy uh, experts um, uh, onboarded in the platform and keep supporting 
various um, clients in, the, in those fields. With that too, with you mentioning these different clients, is there a particular client you are targeting you think this is best for? Or are there certain ones you're really trying to bring on the platform and the client side? So basically, uh, we mostly work with uh, organizations with uh, global operations uh, okay. uh, last years. And it could be security, uh, policy, or investment-related uh, needs. Uh, but uh, again, uh, our product is very industrial agnostic. I mean, basically, you can ask about any policy <laughs> or investment question, but you can ask about uh, feedback on certain SaaS product. Uh, right. And we're getting a lot of questions like that recently. So uh, as we create niche expertise uh, segments within the industry, uh, we will be slowly moving to very like specific industries. Uh, but currently, our uh, bread and butter are um, the security, investment, and policy. And I will say 80% of our current client base ask questions about these three main pillars uh, in the platform. And it seems like this is just so useful in a variety of ways. And again, going back to that point, I'm just seeing how how this is useful to have experts and get the expertise in minutes. And then if you want to take a deeper dive, you can obviously have those conversations yeah. right in the platform, which is so useful. Just going back though, I know like this started in 2017, raised funding, I think 2019 and some more as uh, on from there. When you were building this out early on, especially initially, like what kind of traction did you get to before you really had to raise funding for this. I'm just curious about that. Yeah, sure. The, the first year and a half was mostly personal uh, funding and a small angel group that supported uh, you know, our vision. Uh, but as we built the product uh, and start developing the network, uh, we got a lot of interest from industry leaders in finance, consulting. So our, the size of angel checks got bigger and bigger. Uh, but it was only up to uh, May this year that we received our first institutional funding from a strategic investor. Um, so, uh, of course, it's, you know, the early days are always challenging. You're trying to prove the concept. Uh, you are, you know, b building the critical mass. And, uh, and I always say that, but like building a marketplace uh, company, it's, really building three companies simultaneously. <laughs> you are building the demand side, you're building the supply side, and you're building the infrastructure. They're all like, uh, they all require specific uh, attention and then you need to focus on building those three pillars. So it's not like a just one product company that we focus on one thing. I mean, we need to make sure uh, the technology works, <laughs> the technology, we improve the technology on a monthly basis, uh, even weekly basis many times, and we build a network, but of course, the, the demand is the, the most critical <laughs> aspect. So if one of these pillars doesn't work, I mean, then uh, basically you fail. So that's why building a marketplace requires uh, a lot of attention to detail, make sure, uh, you know, we're uh, health, uh, you know, you know, you know, we make a lot of steps simultaneously. And that's, that's why we build a great team uh, that uh, all these different aspects have unique teams that focus on those uh, areas on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, and building a, a platform business, as you mentioned, is so difficult because of those different things. You're essentially building three businesses in one. And with you mentioning the team now, as you, you had this idea, which clearly was validated by you you were able to secure at least the initial angel funding and now more recently in May of 2020 with the institutional investors and having so much traction, 15,000 experts on the platform, et cetera. With your team then, as you've gone through this process, how have you approached building the team, understanding that you have to build out these essentially three different businesses within Global Wants? Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we started with a, you know, uh, with a great team from the beginning. So I have two great co-founders focusing on different aspects of the business. And later on, we brought people with experience in consulting industry, in technology, and uh, of course, in the policy side. Um, so uh, currently we have about uh, 16 full-time team members and uh, about uh, 10 uh, 
but uh, yeah, I mean, again, this building this type of platform really requires a diverse uh, set of skills uh, for everybody. Um, so even our technology team needs to understand a little bit about the content side. Uh, we are building a matching algorithm that will determine the quality of input uh, on a real-time basis. So that requires a lot of uh, uh, like co collaboration among team members, uh, you know, among technology, content, and the expert network. So we really built uh, like a, uh, like a great solution for our clients. So it's definitely challenging to find people that are interested in multiple uh, different areas. You know, there are a lot of there's there are a lot of smart people, talented people that want to be management consultants or policy analysts or macroeconomists or software developers, but it's a little bit challenging to find people interested in software, technology, yeah. and policy, and, you know, <laughs> and global, global business or global policy. So, uh, but of course there are people, I mean, we were lucky, we were uh, able to identify and we kind of, our paths crossed uh, in, in time, you know, going to different events, meeting people. Now we have a very motivated, very hardworking team that is taking global ones to the next level every day. What what was the the sales pitch to get some of these people on board, understanding that they may be going into these other areas you mentioned in terms of their job prospects instead of getting them to work for Global Wonks? What was it you think about the company that convinced people to jump on board? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think everyone in the you know professional services world uh, understands the sector has been changing. Sure. Um, no company is willing to write like twenty thousand dollar check every month to receive identical content you can get from Financial Times, The Economist, or Wall Street Journal. Uh, you know, the sector was dominated by players that is, uh, you know, mostly repackaging open source intelligence and adding 10% analysis, and then selling it for thousands of dollars retainer fee. I mean, now access to content is much easier than 20 years ago. So everyone has their mobile phones. Everyone can go and read uh, any experts' Twitter feed or any newspaper's emerging markets coverage. So I think everyone in the industry understands the future of the professional services. Name it political risk or management consulting or investment research or equity research, whatever you call it, or whatever you're talking about, is changing. So our model was basically uh, in line with the, the, the direction of the disruption, which is combining human expertise with data and technology. And we call it human stand for our model. And, uh, and this is a model basically combining uh, all these three elements and melts in one part. Uh, and I mean, smart people in the industry working for all these big four or like uh, boutique research and advisor firms understand the future of their organizations, not their bride, and there is a need for more uh, real-time, customized, and on-demand research intelligence or advice required. Yeah. So let's say I am the director of security for a Fortune 100 company, and there is a terrorist attack in a major European city. Uh, that happens in the middle of the night. I mean, I cannot wait until the morning to get, you know, like actionable intelligence because I need to make a decision, either evacuate my uh, employees from the city or create another solution within the city. Yeah. So uh, these professional services firms cannot provide uh, actionable intelligence in the middle of the night because there are 95 companies and even if they have employees uh, in different time zones it will be not the analysis will not be coming from underground sources and mostly from a desk researcher that gets his or her analysis from other open source uh, open source resources in our model basically whatever time is you can ask a question and get to educate about the subject 
and make a better decision in the middle of the night uh, for basically three hundred dollars per <laughs> question. I mean, this is uh, extremely uh, competitive. And when we provide, when I share this vision with anyone in the industry, talented, smart, and understand where the direction goes, it was an easy sell. But the difficult part in <laughs> early days, of course, you know, when we didn't have that much, you know, resources. I mean, we couldn't provide competitive compensation to people, but I, I was lucky that I had a core team that uh, worked very hard uh, those days, minimal compensations, and built the company with me, and we built an organization that received funding, and now we are basically slowly building the platform to the next level. One thing I, I want to go back to, because I think a lot of people who are, are building platform businesses just understand how how difficult it can be and so i just having having you have gone through it and you're going through it right now is there any advice or any things you want to touch on if someone was asking about okay i have this idea for a platform business you know what should i be doing for this or what should i be thinking about uh there's any you know one or two things or anything in particular that you think would be would be helpful for them not to dig too crazy deep into this but i think it's you have the expertise and so i want to make sure that's that's known to people look i think the number one challenge in building a platform business is to create the to build the critical you know mass uh, the critical mass is a key word here because the platform business are multi-sided organizations that you need to have good basically network in every aspect of the platform so i mean you may have a great expert network but if you can't really onboard uh you know users buyers to the platform will be meaningless so building a platform business uh, requires um, very holistic understanding of the sector you will operate and my suggestion would be um, you know build the organization with other people like recruiting the right co-founders uh, maybe you know uh, complement each other on other fields because it's really uh, tough to build a marketplace business um, you know without really being confident in all the aspects, all the pillars of the marketplace you're building. Um, so I think there's one as one major uh, suggestion or recommendation I would make to anyone. Uh, and also it's like, as I mentioned, <laughs> it's basically building three companies at the same time. So it means a lot of hard work, uh, sleep is nice, stress. And <laughs> so, I mean, of course, every entrepreneur, every founder, deals with those issues, but um, you know, I agree or I mean, someone may disagree with you, but the building, you know, like a marketplace is unique experience, I would say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And one thing we had talked about a little bit earlier about how COVID has affected. So I want to dive deeper into that as well. So with COVID, how has that affected the business and how should people be thinking about that at this time? Because we're recording this in, you know, middle of August, 2020 in a global yeah. pandemic. So I'm curious about that as well. No, I mean, very interesting question. So, like, of course, I mean, COVID caught all of us unprepared, like, you know, yeah. everybody. So, like, um, I was basically traveling uh, in Asia, the, you know, the January and February. So, we knew, uh, I mean, that was a concern for me to travel there in mid-January. Uh, we got, we had people asking questions about COVID, like, long time before COVID became a major concern here in the U.S. starting in early January. So that's a, also a great, uh, you know, part of running such a business because we get to, we get to talk about that kind of stuff at a macro level right. early. Uh, but, of course, the first quarter was uh, everyone was shocked. Uh, the sales almost, like, uh, froze the first quarter. Uh, but we start getting a lot of expert recruitment. And then slowly, starting with the Q2, uh, we had a huge like uh, exponential growth of our expert network because I think people realize uh, the remote work is part of the normal life right now and uh, working or sharing experience uh, through Global Wong's platform uh, you know became more appealing because we were able to you know compensate experts for their time and expertise uh, through the platform at their home. So one major uh, trend I observed during the COVID 
uh, days is like basically feature work is a very broad subject, but if you talk about remote work, the feature uh, the COVID accelerated uh, the remote work uh, normalization. Yeah, people realize they can work from home, or they could make some adjustments in their uh, homes and uh, you know like in, uh, layouts uh, or schedules. But uh, most companies realize that the productivity levels of working from home uh, compared to office was not that different. Yeah. Uh, even sometimes, I think there are some studies that uh, employees and workers are much more productive uh, at their homes because they cut the time of transportation and like all other. But to be honest with you, um, that's uh, so we we. We got a lot of uh, interest from uh, experts, and we had about 6,000 experts in January, uh, and only in six months, we're like 15,000 now, <laughs> more than double. Jeez. I mean, we project, we project about 30,000 experts by the end of the year. Wow. And, um, and uh, the most importantly, uh, the companies. I mean, now it's possible to send your executives Globally, to understand the local dynamics of a deal, so you need to rely on on-the-ground intelligence uh, without travel. So our model works great because any decision maker in a corporation or investment fund can engage an expert on the ground uh, who can speak English, who can talk to you in person uh, through our uh, web conferencing system, through our platform. Uh, and uh, basically, there's no difference talking to someone within your company in New York or DC, uh, you know, to talk to someone in Indonesia. So, like, it really, um, so Q2, Q3, uh, we start seeing a lot of increased interest in using the platform as well, especially from organizations that do global business but cannot travel due to COVID. Uh, restraints, restrictions. With that growth too, and because you mentioned, I'm assuming Q2 and Q3, just people, you know, so many more people coming onto the platform, so many more experts coming on the platform, and having raised that funding round in May, are you already thinking about the next, the next round? I mean, just because thinking about the growth of it, like I'm curious about that side of things to continue to, to fund this thing as well. Yeah, I mean, um, interesting question. Actually, we, I mean, that was uh, very surprising to me that we raised funds in the middle of crazy yeah that was in line with you know with what i told a few seconds ago about how we are well positioned for future work and uh, you know post-covid business climate again i don't see the you know process or the phase ending you know with the vaccine or uh any uh you know viable treatment of this unfortunate disease but what i see is people realize that you know there's a new way of doing business uh, so there will be there will be definitely permanent impacts of the covid crisis that we face so currently uh, we are focused on uh, building the platform uh, we have very exciting uh, products we will be launching ne- within the next 12 months uh, we are making our products smarter uh, there will be a lot of uh, interesting products that will disrupt a lot of uh, products and research uh, in the market. We are very excited about it. So nice. our team is focused on building those products and um, uh, increasing the, you know, building more sophisticated uh, tools for uh, experts and clients. So fundraising is not at is a priority now, but if you feel like we need to raise more funds for to scale uh, the company further, yes. Uh, but currently, we are targeting next year uh, for Series A. Uh, but if we need to speed up things for you know to meet the demand and uh, increase technology, we can definitely consider. Uh, but at this point, our focus is um, building the technology, growing the network, and uh, building the client base for global ones.
And Jenk, you mentioned the new the new products as well. How do you look at new products in terms of which ones you're going to prioritize next? I, I'm just curious about that because there's a lot of different things you could offer in theory to this network. How do you look at new products? Yeah, I wish I could share more about new products we're launching, but our focus is basically uh, building more products that would uh, facilitate remote work, okay, and access to expertise on a more efficient and uh, smarter way. Uh, so we are definitely betting on the fact that uh, people uh, will be working mostly remotely, and uh, but uh, we don't anticipate the, the. I mean, even though there is a lot of uh, global macro discussion on deglobalization and the end of globalization, you know, the more intra-work policies by authoritarian regimes everywhere. We definitely, you know, there's definitely challenges with multi, uh, you know, uh, multinational trade and, uh, you know, a lot of like tariffs, etc. But we don't see that uh, companies will be doing less international global business because, like, companies are global in nature now. Yeah. So it's impossible <laughs> to, you know, draw a line uh, in the front. So. We know, so basically our macro bets are, there will be more global business. Uh, hence, there will be more need for uh, actionable local intelligence, whether to say policy or security or, um, you know, the political. Uh, and uh, the third one is people won't be able to travel that easily or they will not be willing to travel easily. Uh, or they realize that traveling is not necessary. Uh, <laughs> like you know, even if it's safe in terms of like the health forms or anything, I mean, there is no need to travel and talk to five experts in person. Uh, now they can really engage the experts. Or for larger multinational organizations, I mean, some multinational organizations have uh, thousands of employees globally, uh, but they don't have tools to tap their expertise on a real-time basis when they need it. So they don't know who they are within the organization. Uh, they don't engage their people efficiently. Uh, and sometimes uh, even global professional service consulting firms, big four companies, rely on external uh, experts when they have people internally, right? Yeah. So we are working along these lines. and. Um, creating systems that uh, corporations can access external and internal expertise faster and smarter through through sophisticated uh, matching algorithms and past performance and availability of experts for different type of products available. Yeah, it seems like there's going to be a huge need for a variety of those of those different tools, and uh, I'm interested to see, you know, as as time goes on here, what you guys end up doing at Global Wonks with that. Yeah. Obviously, you're not going to be able to share all that right now. I totally understand that, but it, it seems like it's an exciting thing to be a part of. And on that note of future of work, you've already mentioned a few things, but is there anything else uh, that you think will be different, or how do you see the kind of the the future of work even even being? I know you've touched on a few things already, but just curious if there's anything else. Look, I mean, I think the speed is the most important uh, value in today's business. Like, you know, for like, uh, you know, investment or for security, whatever you think about it. So one of our also like goals is identify what our clients are interested in, provide the intelligence even before they ask those uh, questions. So (laughs) a lot of like semantics or NLP. Uh, and we hiring a team of um, uh, experts that can build those products. But it, we would like to provide solutions to our clients rather than them coming to our platform and asking a question uh, on the impacts of a tsunami in East Asia uh, and get real-time opinions. Basically, when something along these lines happen, we want our platform triggers a question, gets the opinion, and sends it out hmm. to relevant people, relevant decision-makers in the industry within 10 minutes of that event occurring. We call it breaking news uh, product, and we are uh, working on uh, completing it. 
soon, uh, and we will probably operate the Q1 of 2022 for certain uh, selected clients. Uh, this is basically speed. We want to tell decision makers before even they realize, you know, uh, about the event or how the event it may impact their business in the fiscal mindset. Well, yeah, and that's really interesting because obviously you see these different events happening. You can you can predict a lot of the questions that are going to be asked, and just looking at either past events that have happened and questions that have been asked, and then just thinking logically on what are people going to need to know because of this. It seems like that'd be such a valuable a valuable product. And I want to switch gears a little bit because this is all for talking about the the experts in these companies and how they're learning and getting access to everything. I'm curious about you. I'm curious about how you personally are learning how to build this company, how you're learning uh, as an entrepreneur. So have, have there been any particular, uh, I'm a big big reader, so I'm going to start with books. Have there been any particular books or or anything like that that's been helpful for you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I have an interesting, I think, story. I, I, mean, I mean, I think it's important to mention, especially these days. I'm yeah. an entrepreneur. I, I, I moved to the United States uh, when I was 23 for grad school. Uh, to study international affairs and international economics from Turkey. So uh, I, I wanted to mention that because there's a lot of talk about visa restrictions and <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. the tech, uh, especially. Uh, I mean, I think it's very difficult to argue against the fact that this country is uh, built by immigrants and the Absolutely. sector needs more entrepreneurs. And uh, I believe in resilience and grind, you know, like a grinding impact, like of like uh, immigrant entrepreneurs coming to the country and starting to build uh, companies. Uh, different mindset. Uh, I think more resilience and perseverance. And I think it's important to highlight that for anyone from outside of the country trying and building a company. Basically, in many cases, there is no plan B. You need to get it done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I meet a lot of smart, talented entrepreneurs, uh, you know, serial entrepreneurs, great, uh, I have a lot of respect, but failing six, seven, eight startups and getting getting funded all, like, is, is a different uh, approach. Uh, but in my case, I mean, this is something uh, I've been building uh, in line with my professional, past professional experience and network and uh, there is no optional failure. I mean, I need to get it done. Yeah. Uh, so um, in my experience, a bit different because I was much older to compare entrepreneur. I'm, I started coming when I was 35. Uh, so I wasn't 22 year old, you know, college grad or software engineer starting a business. So I'm not coming from really from technology uh, background, but I was always interested in technology. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was doing a little bit coding when I was in middle school. <laughs> early. Uh, I never, but there were like maybe five, seven years period that I didn't do anything about technology. Then I start making small angel investments in a couple technology firms, really get acquainted with the technology sector again, and uh, try to build a network in, in the West Coast. Uh, what I would recommend is basically I don't I don't think of it like a, I, I mean I really like uh, Mark Bernios books the the CEO and founder of Salesforce uh, I like the Trailblazer I like his uh, latest book I uh, also um, listening various podcasts uh, to get you know on top of the the, the discussions and the trends in technology. Uh, but again, I mean, as a as a uh, professionally, I'm coming from political science <laughs> and uh, I think that unique blend of disciplines definitely provided me a different approach. But I won't, you know. So uh, what I recommend to young people these days is try to build a holistic uh, formation. You know. Uh, uh, there is a so there is a lot of discussion of between like being specialist or generalist. I'm more on the other side. I think being a generalist provide you a better uh, toolkit uh, to deal with 21st century uh, issues and challenges and get you prepared for uh, success in the world. And there are 
multiple challenges like you know the everyone facing like uh, covid definitely significantly increased the level of stress and yeah. uncertainty uh, that's one of the things but we don't know what we'll be facing with in our personal lives or in a macro level or politically uh, but i think one thing is to be resilient never you know no matter what you've been dealing with uh, one should know that if quitting is not acceptable it's not an option you need to you know keep trying and there's always like hope at the end of the tunnel i mean i remember like building you know uh, the company there were days we were really uh, getting rejected you know 10 times a week for funding and now uh, we're getting a lot of interest uh, <laughs> we, we can't even talk to them because basically we just got funded Future. But uh, you need to build like a very like a like a thick skin <laughs> yeah. to be an entrepreneur uh, in today's world. But quitting is not an option. I think if one someone knows quitting is not an option and not jump on a second idea, you know. And if you believe in your idea, keep working on it. One thing I want to go back to. So you came to the United States from Turkey for for grad school. You understand that quitting is not an option. You have to make this work. Your yeah, immigrants have really built this country in terms of how you look at the different companies that have been built. One thing though, in terms of taking a break, in terms of recharging, so you can continue on. How do you recharge then from work and make sure you're able to continue on building your company, Jack? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, there was not that much recharging the last two years. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, you know, I mean, I have two little kids and spending time with them uh, is definitely like the biggest joy these days. Uh, I uh, So my, my two boys are seven and five. So spending time with them and doing some little activities, going, you know, going to walks around questions see uh, is definitely a recharging activity for me but yeah again i mean in today's world unfortunately we don't have that much time to charge yeah <laughs> going and going and going and there are always challenges there are always complexities there's always something happening um and it's very difficult to balance work life uh, situation and but i think the most important thing is justin like if you really like what you're doing if you believe in the vision uh, that you have and if you know that what you've been building will help and empower a lot of people globally is the biggest joy and recharging uh, factor i give you an example uh, when people are so we get a lot of emails uh, as i said personally i'm getting a lot of linkedin notes or uh, emails from people, uh, you know, either from people who lost their jobs, but they can do some small consulting through a platform and can help them, you know, financially, uh, or um, in, um, you know, Middle East, many uh, women uh, don't, you know, really don't take a part in, you know, not voluntarily, but most of the time, like cultural reasons, part of the, they cannot utilize their education. Yeah, uh, lifestyle, but they can sell their expertise and knowledge through their computer, like you know, using the technology through their computer screens is definitely empowering uh, tool for them. So they uh, and when I get an email from a woman in the Middle East that is not practicing, uh, you know, uh, her field microeconomics, but she can answer questions on microeconomics and get paid and contribute to family budget. It's a great job. Now, then I'm recharged and I feel happy for what I do. <laughs> and I, if I think one day we really scale this up, we have thousands of experts, like thousands of clients, and maybe that woman is not making $200, but $2,000 uh, a month, you know, using the platform uh, is a very motivating force. And finally, we also contributing a lot to accrue pay among uh, countries so if in our platform if you're a great expert on u.s economy uh, or like uh, turkish agriculture industry or israeli startup sector no matter where you are in the world you can earn income 
uh, at the level of uh, you know compensation of Western countries. I mean, we pay about three hundred fifty dollars per hour for expert calls. I mean, three hundred fifty dollars, uh, you know, is I mean, very good hourly rate in the U.S., but it's amazing in yeah. Latin America, right? Uh, you know, like us or answering a question, you know, may pay up to fifty dollars. Uh, fifty dollars is currently four hundred lira, is similar to four hundred dollars. Like, and it may take you five minutes to respond to the question. So we are helping people building geography agnostic practices globally. So if one person is great what they do, what he or she does, I mean, she can move anywhere in the world, like a like a low cost country, uh, and earn a lot of income and a great like like standard of living in that country. Uh, so this is mot- motivating too. You know, people don't need to be in New York City, London, Los Angeles, DC, Brussels, Hong Kong, Singapore. They can be anywhere in the world if they utilize their knowledge and experience in this world. Yeah, and I really love what you're building with the platform to that exact point of helping those people, you know, be able to use their expertise for something where they obviously are paid well for that. And obviously the expertise is needed on the other side, which is why people are paying for it in the first place. And you know, it's called global wonks. So clearly people all across all across the world. And and where can people go to learn more about the company and connect with you? Yeah, sure. Globalwongs.com and one little note, Global Wongs basically is a, uh, you know, I mean, we love our name because Wongs come from the backward reading of no. So it's basically, if you read Wong from backward, it, you know, you, you can read it no. So we are a global knowledge sharing platform. So anything about knowledge and, uh, you know, sharing knowledge is basically part of our motto, part of the name. So we are very proud of our name, Global Wongs. So globalwong.com, uh, my LinkedIn profile, uh, you can connect me on LinkedIn or Twitter, uh, they're both uh, Jenks Sidar, uh, and I'm happy to connect, uh, get in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Justin, it was a great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.